Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome, welcome, welcome to season two. That's right, we do seasons now. Season two, episode one of Dame's Takes. As always, I am your host, Dame Fuego, because I give you that fuck. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode. I'm very excited for season two. Very excited to get into it. Um, Maybe I was a little too excited. I I was being in my head about things, so I didn't do one last week. And even this week, this week's episode will be a little quick. It'll be a little focused. We're going to do an NBA episode. I owe you guys some basketball talk. Um, The season, the regular season just ended for the NBA, and we got a lot to talk about. So this is our NBA end of season address. We got a whole lot to talk about. A whole lot. Um, I'm going to try and... I'm on a time crunch, so I'm going to try my best to pack all this information into a shorter episode. And, of course, after today, we'll talk about all this stuff again. We'll we'll come back to a couple different points. And, obviously, I'm I'm predicting some things. So, we'll come backwards and see if I was right and different things like that. Uh, A couple of different news points for the end of the season. Um, In 2018, Trey Young finished the season in first in both points, in total points, and assists in D1 basketball. Coming out of college, they said Trey Young was too small. They're saying he won't be able to score at this level. He won't be efficient at this level. He he probably isn't as good of a passer as he's showing in college. He's going against weaker players in college where he can show off this passing displays that he's showing. Wrong, 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 wrong. A bunch of wrong. A whole bunch of dummies being wrong. I don't get... It's one thing if you have a guy who's only scoring or you have a guy that's only passing in college. But when you have a guy that's first in total points and assists, like he's doing both of these things at a very high level, you have to assume, as a scout, not even necessarily you have to assume, as a scout, something in your head should click like... He's got to be good at one or the other. Like, he has to be not necessarily exactly, like, this good, but he has to be some form of Steph, or he has to be some form of Chris Paul. They thought he was Jimmy Fredette. Y'all remember Jimmy Fredette uh, had a great run in the NCAA tournament, ended up getting drafted by the Kings, great shooter. Yeah, not the same. Like, <laughs> Trey Young is a great shooter, but he also facilitates at an astronomically good level. I was talking uh, to some buddies of mine about this, too. And I think even the fact that they had Luka Doncic in the same draft, for whatever reason, scouts refused to believe there could be two generational passers in one draft. Like, that's just so unheard of. It's not. It's just, it is rare. Like, it's rare. But just because Luka's that good doesn't mean that Trey couldn't also be that good. Anyway. Um, I bring this up. I bring up the stat about him doing this in college because in the year 2022, Trey Young has finished the season in first in both total points and assists in the NBA. So every scout who doubted Trey Young at this exact moment, please expose yourself. Any fan who doubted Trey Young, please expose yourself so we can get you fired. Like, you just got to get out of here. You just, because you're done. You're done. No, I'm just playing. It's it's hindsight. Whenever, whenever it comes to the draft, it's definitely hindsight. It's definitely a little bit more of a, a prediction. A prediction. It's an educated guess. You have evidence to support your claims, but it's a matter of is it going to come to fruition or not. Oh yeah. By the way, Trey Young is the first player in NBA history to ever, ever finish first in total points and assists in the NBA season. 
Treyway. Um, some other notable stats for the season. Um, well, this isn't a stat. This is a fact. Joel Embiid wins the scoring title. Um, he is the first center to do so since Shaquille O'Neal in the 1999-2000 NBA season. Um, his MVP frontrunner uh, countermate. I don't, I'm not sure how you really say that. Nikola Jokic is the first player in NBA history to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in a season. Um, it, it, real quick, it was funny. I saw people. They were po- They had posted. Um, people started posting Russell Westbrook's some of his season stats. Like, I think his were was like 2,000 points, and then he had like 800. I think it was at like 800 rebounds, 800 assists. And it's like, I don't understand the line of thinking for people who act like this because it's not to say that Jokic is doing something that's never been done before, even though he is. <laughs> like, that that's my first thing, is people are upset about this or people have, have something to say about this as if there's not a fact. He's the first player to do it. Russ didn't do it. Chamberlain didn't do it. Will Chamberlain had a season where he had just, I think he had 100 less. I think he had 1,900 points in a season. But he had like 1,800 rebounds or something like that. And like 500 assists. And like 700 assists. Something, like, something crazy. Because Will Chamberlain. So, of course, the numbers are crazy. But people started posting these as if these aren't also great seasons. Like, you're not diminishing Jokic's great season. You're just posting more great seasons. Like, oh, Russ also had a great season. Oh, Will also had a great season. Okay, so Jokic is having a great season up there with two of the greatest players to ever play this game. Like, what are you talking about? Like, people, I think sometimes people just like to complain. And obviously, everyone has their own, like, little, like I've, I mentioned on the show before, um, confirmation bias. Like, you want something confirmed. You have a bias, you have an opinion, you have whatever, and you want it confirmed, so you're going to find stats, you're going to find things, posts, whatever you can, to confirm whatever you're saying. Everyone does it. It's it's one of those things. Bias is one of those things that, as human beings, we all have to just accept that we have, and I think that would make things a lot easier for everyone, but that's a different topic for a different day. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr., is the league leader in blocks for the season. He is the first Grizzlies player to ever to lead the league in blocks. His teammate, John Morant, becomes the first guard to ever lead the league in paint points. John Morant was averaging over 16 points in the paint per game. That's more than Giannis. That's more than Jokic. That's more than Embiid. That's more than LeBron. That's more than everybody. 16, that's eight buckets a game. At the rim. Some of these dudes, there's dudes can't even average eight buckets a game. He got eight buckets at the rim. As if there's not seven footers on every team. Every team got a seven footer. At least one. Except for the Lakers, maybe. <laughs> like, every team got seven footers. He's 6'3". This is insane. It's not even like it's Jordan that we're talking about. Like, Jordan is the first guard, or he was the first guard, and Ja now repeated that. Like, no. Ja's the first guard to ever lead the league in paint points. Obviously, if you go farther and farther back in generations and eras in the NBA, you run into the eras where the bigs dominate and the bigs, of course, are running the paint. But, like, no matter what era you play in, even in this era where there's a lot more shooting and the bigs don't, like, bigs shoot from all over the floor, whatever. Still, 
This is still a feat. This is still like a crazy feat. Like this is insane. <laughs> he is six foot three, <laughs> averaging over sixteen points a game at the rim. Like this is nasty. Like this guy is is different. Um, which will help me get into uh, my next little topic of discussion. Before I get into my personal uh, picks for awards and NBA teams and everything like that, um, I thought I would get into the stat leaders for this year. Um, like I said, Joel Embiid finishes the year at number one in points. He averaged 30.6. Um, Rudy Gobert finishes first in rebounds. He averaged 14.7, which is a whole of a lot. Like, oh, my God. Um, the lead leader this the league leader this year in assists is Chris Paul, which I wonder because I know that like LeBron James and Kevin Durant um, didn't qualify to be the scoring leader to win the scoring title because they didn't play enough games. So I wonder if Chris Paul or even James Harden, James Harden is second on the list. I wonder if either of them met the criteria this year to um, to to have that. I'll triple check really fast Chris Paul this year played in 65 games oh no I think that's last year's yeah I think Chris Paul didn't play in enough games this season to qualify so I think that James Harden might be the league leader in assists this year I have to double double triple check that um, the leader in field goal percentage this year is Rudy Gobert at 71%. That is a whole hell of a lot. The league leaders in the three-point percentage this year is a pretty good list. You have Luke Kennard at number one, uh, nearly 45%. Right behind him is Desmond Bain. Then you have Tyrese Maxey, Cam Johnson, and LaMelo Ball at fifth. That's very nice. And the league leader in steals this year was DeJounte Murray. Um... Now, as I said, let's go ahead and get into some of these awards. You know, these are my predictions for uh, the award races. Um, we'll start with the with the all NBA and the all defensive team, just because I I'm going to be honest with you. This year was a little, I, you know, just growing up, getting older, even with the podcast, just getting getting older, growing up, trying to find a time to to write all this stuff down to get it all written down and get all of my thoughts onto onto my notes or at least most of my thoughts onto the notes so then I can do this episode for you guys but also just like I said life getting in the way of being able to watch all this stuff so where that really hit me was the defensive teams the defensive teams I can't really tell you I have a crop of players who I throw in but I can't really tell you. I can't really give you a really good, comprehensive, all-defensive team because there are a lot of guys that deserve a nod, but I can't tell you who should be over who. I can tell you who should be in it, but I can't really give you who should be over who. For all-NBA, I feel like I can, I can nail this down pretty sufficiently. Um, obviously, at center, you're looking at Jokic or Joel. A lot of people... Oh, actually, really quick. This is something I need to talk about. Um... A friend of mine, a really good friend of mine is saying, why don't we, why isn't it to the, why aren't we at a point where it's just the best 15 players pretty much? Why isn't it uh, Jokic and Joel should be on the first team because they're both MVP candidates and Giannis and whoever, like the, whoever the five guys, top five guys for MVP voting should be the top five guys for all NBA, which I partially agree with. The only thing about it is for the entire history of the league we haven't done this and some would argue that if something has been wrong for forever you should change it now instead of continuing to let it be wrong but I don't think this is wrong I think that they have all NBA teams for a reason it's not 
it's not supposed to be the best 15 players. I'm sorry. That's what people have to realize. The All-NBA teams are not the best 15 players. That's not how they vote for it. It's not really like that. Because if that was the case, then yes, the five guys who, the top five guys for MVP voting would be the the five guys for the All-NBA team. But even that, even that, but another thing people have to realize is that the voting is not synonymous. Like the voting for MVP and All-NBA, those are not all the same, not synonymous. Literally, you've had players win Defensive Player of the Year and be All-NBA Defensive Second Team. You didn't make the first team, but you won the biggest defensive award. Like, you had indiscrepancies like that before. So let's let's clear that up, too. But there should only be one center. There should be one center for each lineup. Like, there's five lineups or three lineups that you're making. One center, two guards, two forwards. You can get with the forwards and guards, you can get a little positionless, I guess, and, like, start playing with it a little bit, I guess. But in reality, it's always been one one center, two guards, two forwards. And back in the day, when you had when you had greats, you had great like there's always been great players at every position, multiple great players. Don't tell me that we should change this rule for Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, but Kevin Durant had to sit there for years and get second teams, like James Harden. Like there's a lot of guys. I might be just saying names that don't even have second teams, but that, that you get my point. Like there have been awesome like historic top 10 players who got to get second teams or even top 10 players for that year who have to get second team because the best player in the league is probably playing your position. That's how it works. If you want to be first team, be better than that guy. Don't tell me we need to change the rule. And that's probably probably even another thing with me. I do not like when people want to change rules to, to help someone like to help someone that has everything at their disposal. Every these players played eighty two had the ability to play eighty two games. If you didn't play eighty two games, you either got hurt, you rested, whatever the case may be. But you have eighty two games to display why you're better than the other guy. And even at the end of those eighty two games, you're at the mercy of a bunch of dudes in the media. So if you get screwed over, you get screwed over. But in reality, bro, like, I, what more can we do for you? You're a, you're a man of your craft. You're doing your own thing, and like. You're doing it at the highest level. You're going to still get acknowledgement. You'll still be second team, but of course you want to be first team. You want to be MVP. But I don't think we should change the rule that's been in place that has cursed a lot, that's plagued a lot of players before. A lot of players that, if we change this rule, will be on first teams. Tracy McGrady. Tracy McGrady's a good one. Tracy McGrady's awesome, but he also had to play at the same time as Kobe. Like... A lot of guys in in the history of the league that were great that probably should have been first team that are first level first team level players. However, there's just another guy there, bro. I don't know what to tell you. Like, sorry, there's somebody else who's, who's an inch better, a centimeter better, in somebody else's opinion. Like that's just how it goes. Sorry, I got on a tangent. I'm on a time crunch. <laughs> um, but yeah, first team, I. Ugh, I got to make a decision just because we're on a pod and I got to make it official. I think Joel should be the MVP. I thought Joel should have been MVP last year, personally. And I think since he didn't get it last year, I think they'll give it to Jokic again because that's how they act. The voters can be very... It's funny, the voters can be very fickle, but they also, like, get... Like, they get very indulgent. Like, they'll fall in love with one guy and kind of stick with him for two, three years. Then after those two, three years, they'll never look at him again. Like, they'll never look at him the same. 
Like, oh, you've done too much. Like, we're used to you doing this now. So in order for us to give you, like, next year, if they give MVP to Jokic this year, in order for him to ever win MVP again, he has to literally, like, be a one seed, break multiple records. Like, he has to do insane stuff now. If he wins it this year, even if he doesn't win this year, I believe that in order for Jokic to win another MVP, he has to do something astronomical. Like, he has to do something crazy, and that'll get him MVP, because that's how the voters get. That's what we see with Giannis. Giannis has had an amazing season, and he's not even really a frontrunner anymore. It's just Jokic and, and Joel. Um, I'm going to go with Joel, because Jokic is on a, a six seed, is it? Yeah, yeah. Jokic's on a six seed, and he has... I mean, the fact they're a six seed, the fact they're not, they're not in, the, in the play-in without two of their best players is definitely a testament to him. Um, but that team is also kind of set up like that. Like, it's partially because of him, because of his playmaking, because of how good he is. But it's one of those things. Like, your team is very good in the first place, and that's not necessarily... Uh, it, it puts it in a weird spot. Um, but people always make the, the argument for MPJ and Joel not being there for Jokic they are still a playoff team, but they're not one of the better playoff teams, and they might not even... I don't, I don't know how many people are picking them to get out the first round. Um, but Joel has been without his second-best player all year. He got another one in James Harden, and even James hasn't looked the greatest the entire time in his tenure in Philly. And it's obvious Joel is, is holding that team up by the bootstraps. He's gotten a gigantic contribution from Tyrese Maxey this year. But I can't say the same thing from Tobias Harris. I don't think Tobias Harris has stepped up crazy good this year or had an amazing season, especially compared to the season he had last year. So it's like the argument you can make for Jokic, I feel like really does fit for Joel and his team is in a better spot. And I mean, they're fourth. They're fourth in the East. They should be a little higher. They kind of fell off towards the end. But again, he, he lost half his rotation. And, and at the end of the season, he lost half the rotation for one guy, and that one guy didn't even look 100% for the rest of the season. So, personally, I'm going Joel for uh, MVP and for first team. I'll go Joel, Giannis, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, and Ja Morant are my first team. I know Ja Morant might get a little, might get a little controversy. Um, I can see Ja getting bumped to second team in favor of Devin Booker because Devin Booker is obviously on, on the number one seed in the NBA and he's the best player on that team um, so I wouldn't mind if Book jumped over Ja but I think the Ja should be number I think I, I would put Ja up there I think both of these guys are on great teams that played very well without them um, yeah my second team I have uh, Jokic this is where it gets a little murky I got Jokic like I said, you can interchange Book or Ja, but I got Ja, Kevin Durant, uh, LeBron, and Trey. Kevin Durant and LeBron, I can see both of them. I can see either of them or both of them being on third team because of the injuries they, they faced this season. And I was telling a friend of mine, I, I do not think that they should qualify for first team since they couldn't qualify for this scoring title. Like, you still qualify to be on all NBA teams, but I don't think that... KD or LeBron should get first team because they didn't play that many games. I think that someone like Jason Tatum, um, Jason Tatum, uh, even a DeMar, DeMar DeRozan can get over them because they've been playing more games this season, thus kind of contributing a little more. Uh, so I wouldn't be wouldn't be mad if LeBron or KD got bumped down to third team, but they're on my second team because they, they were absolutely insane this year. Uh, and Trey Young, again, Trey Young are absolutely amazing. Trey Young gets over Steph. He clears CP for me. 
if Trey Young gets swapped with Stephen Curry, I won't be mad. I won't be surprised. But Stephen Curry, he broke that record. And, like, in the midst of him breaking the record, and even after the record, he didn't look that great to me. He came out the he came out killing, came out gunning, looking like an MVP candidate for sure. But to me, Stephen Curry has been tailing off for the entire rest of the year on top of his team being very good and getting a lot of contributions from a lot of different places. I, I, I'm sorry. I, that's the way I see it. And I would put Steph on third team. Um, I couldn't really find, I couldn't really think or, or find a replacement for Chris Paul. So I guess Chris Paul is my third team, my other third team guard. I'm, I guess maybe DeJounte Murray, just cause I love him so much. I would put him on third team over CP. I, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I really can't call it. I want, I don't, I just don't want to put CP there. Like I feel like he did miss a, a good little chunk of games. I think that out of everybody on the list, I think he did miss a good chunk of games and his team was very fine without him. Um, so I, I don't really see, I don't think that Chris Paul should make an All-NBA team this year. Personally, I, I just think that people are still riding off of Chris Paul just being the point guard and he saved Phoenix from poverty, like, uh, I guess. Um, Carl Anthony Towns is my, is my center. Sorry, Gobert, not really. Uh, Pascal Siakam, he's been awesome, awesome. He ended the year amazing. DeMar DeRozan, Stephen Curry, and Chris Paul makes my third team. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think they'll do Steph over Trey. Uh, next, we have the defensive teams. Like I said, I can't really call it. I, I can't. I can't really call it on who's um, who's gonna make the all defensive teams. You got a lot of centers. You got Gobert. You got Bam out of bio. Embiid was pretty good defensively uh, from the from the forward spot. You got Jaron Jackson Jr. Like I said, league leader in uh, in blocks. You got Giannis. Um, right behind him in blocks was Robert Williams the third from Boston. Time Lord. Uh, Marcus Smart, his teammate, McCall Bridges, DeJounte Murray, the lead leader in lead <laughs> league leader in steals this year. Um, Fred Van Vliet was pretty good defensively this year. Herb Jones. Herb Jones, the rookie from the New Orleans Pelicans. Remember that name, because that kid's gonna be a problem. If the if the Pelicans do make it into the playoffs, he he gonna shut somebody down. He gonna he gonna have some lockdown plays and he gonna he gonna become a household name if they can make if they can squeak into the playoffs. Matisse Thybul, Drew Holiday. There's a lot of there's a lot of dudes for the defensive teams. If I had to try and like just throw together a team real quick for you, um, uh, Dejounte Murray, Jaron Jackson, McCall Bridges. Um, uh, ugh, I, I'm worried about Robert Williams and how many games he played. I think they'll probably just give it to Giannis. So I'll go Jared Jackson Jr., Giannis, McCall Bridges, um, Dejounte Murray. And I'm going to do a toss-up. I'm going to do a toss-up between the guards because I can't. Herb Jones might mess around and make it. Herb Jones could mess around and make first team. He's been really good defensively for them this year. Uh, But if not Herb, then I could see uh, Drew Drew Holiday or Marcus Smart making it. Like I said, for for awards, MVP, I got Joel Embiid. Six-man, I have Tyler Hero. Defensive player of the year, uh, uh, man, I want to say Jaron because he has been really good defensively, and that's part of the reason why um, the Grizzlies were so good without Ja, without so many players this year. Um, But I can also see Jaron not getting it. I haven't really heard too much about who's really the front runner for defensive player of the year this year. Uh, Most improved is probably the hardest award to pick from. You got Tyrese Maxey, Jordan Poole, Ja, Desmond Bain, Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is up like eight points on this season um, compared to last. So, you know, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of really good options. But I do have to say that Tyrese Maxey is a big reason why Philly was 
where they were all year. They, Tyrese Maxey played amazing this year and definitely pushed them up. Same could be said for Jordan Poole. Um, I think that Maxey might take this one. I think that Tyrese Maxey might be the guy that ends up taking this award. Rookie of the year, personally, I would say it's probably between um, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Green, or Cade. Uh, I think think Evan Moby got hurt at the wrong time and that put him in a bad spot. Um, I think Scotty's kind of been the most consistent guy all year. Like all, like from from the beginning, we were all looking at Scotty Barnes. Like, hey, how good is this kid for real? Like, how how good good is this guy gonna really be? And he's just been great all year for them. Um, Toronto's had a Mildred, a, a, a myriad is, is what I was looking for, a myriad of injuries all year, and he's been holding them down. He is, I mean, even Scotty. Scotty got hurt, and a lot of rookies get hurt. They come back, and they can never really find their form. He came back, and he looked really good. He's been good all year. He's been passing well, defending at a high level, scoring at a high level, rebounding at a high level. He's been amazing. He's been really amazing. So I really wouldn't be mad at uh, Scotty Barnes for Rookie of the Year. Cade also got some really good numbers. Cade really does. I, I was looking at it and I was like, Cade really got some good ass numbers, like <laughs> to win this award too. Like he looked like the number one pick. Uh, Coach of the year, Taylor Jenkins. I can see it going to Monty Williams. Um, obviously, number one seed in the league. Like, but for whatever reason, the best coach in the league, what you would argue is the best coach in the league, the 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 coach of the best team, rarely ever wins coach of the year. It's really weird. Um. And yeah, I would say Taylor Jenkins just because they had so many injuries. They they blew out Phoenix. Phoenix was full strength. Phoenix had their, all their players full strength. The Grizzlies are missing like their best seven players, and they still be, blew them out, like beat the crap out of them. So yeah, Taylor Jenkins by a mile, in my opinion. Um, interesting little tidbit. I'm gonna try and run through the rest of this real quick. The bottom four teams of last season were the Rockets, Pistons, Magic, and Thunder. The bottom four teams in this season were the Rockets, Pistons, Magic, and Thunder. Um, Now, with that, I mean, people get mad about tanking and get mad about bad teams being bad. But with all four of these teams, all four of these teams drafted players that were very good for them this year. Giddy was really good for the Thunder. Uh, Suggs was hurt a lot this year, but he was pretty good, and they had a lot of bright spots with all their young players. Even Franz Wagner was very good for the Magic this year. Cade Cunningham was very good for the Pistons. Jalen Green and a lot more other younger guys were very good for the Rockets this year. Okay, obviously they're on bad teams, so don't 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 go crazy on me saying very good, but they're still bad. Like even these rookies, all these rookies getting onto these teams, they're still bad. The Cavs, the Cavs were a team last year that actually wasn't as bad as their record showed because they had injuries. They start off the year pretty well. And the thing about it is every team gets hurt. Every team gets injuries in the NBA. The thing about it is how can you withstand those injuries? And these bad teams are already in, in the worst position. So if I have one of my more important players get hurt, yeah, it might make our entire season crumble, honestly. Um, so, yeah, these are all four bad teams that the rookies that they got, they were good, but they couldn't save them. <laughs> they weren't going to save them from being awful. And next year, you hope. Like, next year, all four of these teams should be looking at, like, hey, can we try and make something shake? Can we stay healthy? Can we put together a team and try and be and, and try and be something? Be the Cavs from last year? Because the who who thought the Cavs were going to be this good this year? I had one guy I saw on Twitter made a prediction. He said the Cavs were going to be the worst team in the East this year, and they're in the playing. They have a chance to make the playoffs. So it's like you you really don't know sometimes. You really just don't know. But it's it's making the right decisions and trying to make the right decisions. And sometimes it takes 
time. You had to build to these things. The Cavs have been building what they've been building for years. They sucked for a long time to build to what they are now. It takes time and it takes a little bit of luck too. Uh, speaking of luck, let's let's get to an unlucky little team real quick. I'm I can finally openly talk about the that the NBA happily and like objectively because the Lakers are out of the playoffs. Lakers season is over. <laughs> The Lakers, the Lakers missed the playoffs. Um, I believe this is the worst record for a LeBron team. At one point, they were un, they were uh, their their win loss record. They were minus sixteen, which was the most ever for a LeBron team. LeBron's never been uh, minus sixteen in his record. Um, LeBron, however, had an amazing season. He became the the oldest and the youngest player ever to average thirty in a season. He averages second most points ever in a season. He averaged thirty point three. Um, another very good news if you're a Laker fan, uh, the Lakers are finally stopped after this with this season being over. The Lakers finally stopped paying Luol Dang. They did the uh, stretch and wave provision for his contract, his awful contract way back when. So he's finally off the books. Um, a couple of bright spots at the end of the season. Um, the Lakers win the last two games. They finally win two straight. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, he got 41 points, I believe it was. 41 on the Thunder. That was a really good game for him. Austin Reeves, though. Austin Reeves ends the season with 31 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, and a block. One of those steals being a game-saving steal and a basket right after to send the game into overtime where he went bonkers. I only saw overtime, but whoo! Woo! Hillbilly Kobe. I don't care. Nope. Hill Billy Kobe for real. I love that kid. Love that kid. He got some real potential. And people like to talk about the Lakers. People like to talk about the Lakers and their future and the way they develop talent, which if you say Lakers don't develop talent or can't develop talent, please stop watching basketball because you don't know what you're talking about. Like that makes no sense. There's literal, there's literally multiple teams in the NBA right now fiending off of the Lakers and their talent. Like we find very good players and, if it wasn't for us, those these players might not even be in the league. They might be still in the G League, like Caruso. Because if it wasn't for the Lakers, Caruso would have been Andre Ingram, dunking all over the G League for his entire career. Um, but the future looked kind of nice. You got Reeves. Reeves showed some flash and real potential this year. Like like all year, he flashed some real real potential defensively, offensively, especially with that last game. He showed you what he can do with the ball in his hands, which I was literally, literally the the day before, I think, not even the day before, three hours, three hours before the game started, I told a good friend of mine, I said, hey, Austin Reeves in college was actually pretty good. Like, he had the ball in his hands a lot more. He can facilitate, he can score. So I'm very interested to see next year if he can get the ball in his hands a little more and see and show us what he can do offensively. Because there were a few times this year where he scared me. And I thought, I was like, man, this guy can't play offense. But he's he's a rookie, and someone even made the point like he's he's a rookie, he's a kid, he's gonna bulk up next year. Next year he's he's gonna get like Caruso did. He's gonna get his body more prepared for the league and more prepared to take take on these other grown men every night. And he gets hit in the face a lot, and he he's he's one of those players like he do the dirty work. So he, man, I I, re, I love Austin Reeves, and I'm actually very sad that we can't have him and Caruso at the same time. Like the Lakers with Caruso and Reeves would be terrifying defensively. But the potential of Taylor, who showed you he can drop 40, I mean, that, circumstances, circumstances are circumstances, but there's a lot of guys who have never scored 40 in this league. Like, let's just be honest. Um, Stanley Johnson, Winning Gabriel, they gave you, some, they were some bright spots at the end of this, at the end of the season. If we can bring them back. And the thing about the Lakers 
is not that they need these young guys to be superstars. Everyone keeps talking about the Lakers need to develop the next superstar. Why? <laughs> Why do the Lakers need to develop the next superstar when A, you have teams like the Boston Celtics who have developed two superstars, arguably JB and JT, ain't really got them anywhere besides a conference finals. Um, like there's a lot of homegrown superstars. Devin Booker, homegrown superstar. He's been to one finals in his career. Like, and that's one finals is more than a lot of guys get. <laughs> one finals is as much as Chris Paul's got in his entire career. But my point being, the Lakers a are a franchise with a lot of history. They they want not just one. They want multiple. They want a string of championships. They want to build another dynasty. A lot of other teams are trying to get their first championship or trying to get their first championship in a long time. They are not necessarily trying to build a dynasty. They're trying to make sure they get one before they start talking about a dynasty. The Lakers already have their stars. They have two star players, arguably the best duo in the league. Why Why would we be trying to develop? Why would the Lakers be trying to develop another star if there's two right here? You can find another star. You can find another player, another very good player, but you're not going to find us like you're not just going to find a star like that you're not going to find a Nikola Jokic in the second round when you already have an AD and LeBron partially because you're not looking for it but partially because it's absolutely very rare and very hard to find like very very unique very situation very very unique situation so you look for these guys like Winyan Gabriel and Stanley Johnson who are trying to prove that they can be in this league who have been trying to prove it for a while but they're looking for a real shot so they can prove they can be in this league they may not be super like it may not be future superstars but they're the type of role players that you want to have on your team to win a championship Championships aren't just star players. They're one off of star players, but you also need contributions from other guys. The Lakers might have found a couple of those other guys at the end of the season, but that'll be something to show for next year. They obviously have to make sure they do everything right, make sure they bring back someone like Malik Monk, because if they let him go, then half of Laker Nation is probably going to just give up on Rob Polinka right there if Malik Monk is not in the Laker jersey next year, period. And even Taylor. Taylor, you got to see, like, is he going to get packaged with Russ? Like, what's going to happen with him? Um, but again, as a whole, that's a little more off-season talk. Once we get a little closer to the off-season or another episode, I will happily go in on the Lakers and talk about the Russ situation and what's got to be done. Um, real quick, uh, let's go ahead and get into the playoffs. Actually, we're not even going to get into the entire playoffs just because we only have the play-in tonight. I will make my predictions for the play-in, and then next time we'll go ahead and talk about the playoffs a little more and talk about what to expect and what, what we see coming. The play-in games are tonight. We have the Nets versus the Cavaliers. We don't have uh, Jared Allen for this game, so that'll be very interesting. But we do have Evan Mobley, and these teams just played, so that should be fun. Um, The way the play-in works. So, uh, the Cavs and the Nets are playing for the seven seed. Whoever wins the game is seven, and they will play against the Celtics in the first round. Whoever loses the game plays against the winner of the 9-10 game, which for the East, it's Atlanta and Charlotte. If, let's say Atlanta wins, Atlanta wins, they would play, let's say the Cavs lose against the Nets. Uh, they would play, the Atlanta Hawks would play against the Cavs for the 8 seed. The Cavs, and this is what I like about the play-in. I like this about the play-in because without the play-in, the 7 and 8 seed would be in the playoffs anyway. So, I think it makes sense that the 7 and 8 seeds should only have to win one game. 
If the Cavs lose against the Nets, they shouldn't have to win two games now. They should have to win one. I, I should be the eight seed no matter what. Like anyway, so I should only have to win one game and be the eight seed. If you're the Hawks or you're the Hornets, you have an uphill battle. You have to win two games, but if you win both of those games, you're the eight seed and you you earned it. You deserve it. You you not played. You didn't play not one but two games. You it's not a eighty four game season. It's an eighty two game season. But you played a couple extra and you made it worth it. Um, my prediction is Nets Hawks. I think the Cavs and these injuries. Well, actually, no, no. I'm going to go Nets-Cavs, actually. I do think the Nets and Cavs will win. I think that the Hornets and Hawks game will be very good. I think the Hawks will win. Um, which, that's the, that's the beautiful part about the NBA and about the East and even the play and everything. I can see any any which way. I can see the Nets losing. I can see the Nets losing against the Cavs and then beating um, whoever for the eight seed. But I think Miami's in danger. I think, like, if that happens... That would be my perfect scenario. The Cavs win, then the Nets play the Hawks, and they beat the Hawks, and they play against the Heat first round. Because I think that the Heat are in trouble. I think the Heat are for sure kind of reeling, and they're they're in a weird spot. The Heat could very well lose. I think they're they're. I don't trust them as a one seed. I think the Heat could lose in the first round very easily, actually. Then the Cavs will uh, the the Celtics will handle their business, even if it's against the Nets. I think the the Celtics will handle that. Will handle whoever they have to play, but. Um, I'm actually very worried about the Heat. So I would prefer if the Nets could be the eight seed because I, I don't have anything against the Heat. It's just I just just don't I just don't trust them. I just can't I can't trust you if your best scoring option is your six man. Tyler Hero's great. Tyler Hero's a six man of the year. He's a bucket, super bucket. But that's not how that's not how championships teams are built. That's that's not how that works. That's mm-mm, that's not how that works. Like Jimmy, you not Tim Duncan. And you're not about to tell me Tyler Hero is your is your menu. Like I don't I don't see y'all like that. Y'all not like that. Mm-mm. Um, but my act, actual predictions, I do think that the KD is KD and he's not gonna lose. So uh, I believe the the Nets beat the Cavs, and I think the Hawks. I think the Hawks can beat the Cavs because the Cavs are a little are a little banged up and they're in a little bit of a weird spot. But I think that the Nets and the Cavs win their games. So the Nets will be the seventh seed and the Cavs will be the eighth seed. Um. And like I said, like I was saying, Charlotte could beat Atlanta. I'm not. I'm not just throwing Charlotte away. Charlotte could very easily beat Atlanta. These are two teams that play that have high octane offenses that had not really been playing a lot of defense this year. So I think it'll be a high scoring game. Like each team will score like 120. But I, I think the Hawks will win. But the don't don't sleep on the Hornets. Lamelo might mess around and and have something for that game for real. Um, in the West, you have. Minnesota versus the Clippers. I think Minnesota wins. Cat, Cat, and Anthony Edwards. They should handle their business. You do have a hurt D'Lo, so that's a little bit of a worry. Um, but I think that the I think that the Timberwolves beat the the Clippers for the seventh seed, and then the Clippers have to play either New Orleans or San Antonio for the eighth seed, and that's really a toss up. I think the the Clippers should win against either of those teams, but the Pelicans have been one of the best teams in the second half of the year. So the Pelicans, I think they might mess around and take that eighth seed. Um, but at the same time, you know, the Spurs are a competitive team with one of the best coaches of all time. So y- y- the Spurs are, are a team you got to watch out for. Kind of like, kind of like the Hornets in that sense, in that sense. They have a, a player that you got to watch out for and a team you got to watch out for just a little bit in this situation. Cause they are, they're, they're desperate. They're, they're, they're a wounded animal and you know, that's the most dangerous one. Um, but I, I would say I'm gonna go Minnesota and new Orleans. I think the New Orleans might be able to sneak past the Clippers, get a good game out of Herb Williams defensively on Chris Paul, 
or on 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 Paul George, get a good game out of CJ and uh, Bi, and maybe maybe might be able to sneak into that playoff. But I do think that whoever comes out um, for that eight spot against the Suns is about to get swept. <laughs> and same might happen for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies might might be able to sneak a game or two. Uh, I mean, the Timberwolves might be able to sink a game or two from the Grizzlies, but I think the Grizzlies are going to handle that series in four or five games as well. Um, I would love to talk so much more about this. Like I said, there's so much more about the playoffs, and you already know I love me some some basketball, some sports. I would love to talk about this some more, but I got to go. I got to gotta go run off to, to, to uh, my 9 to 5. I really appreciate you guys rocking with me and being patient with me and supporting me throughout all of this, throughout everything, throughout a pandemic everything i really really appreciate you guys um check us out you already know spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. we also got a website now dames takes dames takes.com uh d-a-m-e-s-t-a-k-e-s.com check out your boy i appreciate all the love you guys be blessed dame out